0: Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. Freeze Art Fair is launching their inaugural edition of the fair in Seoul, Korea next week, and there's a lot of buzz about the fair. I'm already receiving previews from galleries, and they're bringing really great material, which I think is a sign of their beliefs about the potential of this fair. There's also a lot of excitement and curiosity about the art market in Seoul. So leading up to the fair, in this week's episode, we chat with Andy St. Louis, a Seoul-based art critic, Andy is the sole desk editor at Art Asia Pacific and a contributing editor at Art Review Asia. And in 2018, he founded Soul Art Friend, an online platform dedicated to promoting contemporary Korean art, which you can access now at soulartfriend.com or on Instagram and Facebook. You can follow them at soulartfriend. We hope you enjoy this interesting conversation with Andy. Thanks so much for listening. <music>
1: Thanks so much for joining us from Korea. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Definitely. Well, you've been in Seoul for a long time, and we're very eager to hear your perspective on everything happening there, as there's a lot of energy surrounding Freeze Art Fair and, more generally, the art market there the past few years. So tell us, how did Seoul become a burgeoning contemporary art hub? It seems to have happened so suddenly for people not paying close attention.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Seoul has been sort of quietly developing as a regional player in the contemporary art scene for a number of years, uh, of course, based in Seoul, which is the capital of Korea where roughly half of the country's uh, 50 million people live. Um, Korea has a rich art history of its own and a strong tradition of support for the arts. Um, Some of the most prominent examples of this are like the Gwangju Biennale, which is the longest running biennial exhibition in Asia. The Korean Pavilion at the Venice Biennale um, and both of these, you know, operate on public funding. So you have really strong support uh, at the government level for art here and you also have a really significant domestic collector base that is very sophisticated. Uh, you have a highly developed art scene with world-class museums and galleries and just a general sort of deep appreciation for visual culture within Korean society as a whole. Um, so how do we get here, uh, to the point where free soul is launching its inaugural Asian fair in the city? You know, I think a lot of it has to do with the Korean collectors, uh, at least it sort of starts from that. So, um, for the collectors here, art has become a much more appealing investment in recent years due to some of the real estate regulations that were introduced by the previous president Moon Jae-in. Um, And this basically raised taxes for owners of multiple properties in order to reduce kind of a rampant real estate speculation, especially in Seoul. Um, And so with those tax increases, uh, people began to look for other avenues uh, to invest uh, different ways to diversify their portfolio and uh, art became a very attractive way to do this. Um, The new president, Yun Sangyal, who was elected uh, this year, he has introduced some new tax reforms that might sort of undercut those previous uh, regulations. But uh, to this point, that's been a, a real driver of uh, interest from collectors across the board. Um, another sort of, I think, really significant influence on public opinion toward art collecting was um, the donation of the former Samsung chairman. His name is E Kun-hee. Uh, he passed away uh, two years ago. And uh, what ended up happening was his art collection was donated to the state, um, which was a decision by his family because they were facing this massive uh, real estate, uh, not real estate, estate tax burden of about 10 billion US dollars. So his collection of like 23,000 artworks and objects uh, went to the state. And the highlights from this collection Uh, Paintings and sculptures went on view at the National Museum of Modern and Contemporary Art uh, in the summer of 2021. And then there was so much interest that the exhibition ended up being extended twice um, in order to accommodate public demand. And it stretched to about 11 months total. Um, The impact of this was, you know, as Korea's richest man, uh, Lee sort of represented the pinnacle of success for Koreans, I think of all ages. And when people went to see the show, the quality of the works was pretty breathtaking. Um, the exhibition, I think, opened people's eyes to art collecting as a really aspirational form of investment and uh, obviously increasing one's uh, cultural capital while also supporting Korean artists and building a legacy of sort of art historical merit. Um, if we look at the domestic market, uh, uh, how it has increased and expanded. In the past few years, um, it's been quite unprecedented. Um, in 2020, the total sales of the art market were around 329 billion Korean won, which is about 246 uh, million U.S. dollars. And in 2021, the number was 922 billion won, or around 690 million dollars. So that's you know 280 percent increase in just one year. Um, in 2002. So far, the first half total is already at 563 billion won or $420 million. And so it's sort of on pace to break the 1 trillion won mark, which is about $750 million. Uh, and especially as we look toward the fall uh, art fair season with freeze and the uh, kioff which is the largest domestic fair. Um, you know, those are expected to generate pretty strong sales. And, and it, it seems that that we're going to see really incredible growth again this year, um, but it's not just freezing Kyiv. I mean, the the market uh, has grown across the board in terms of art fairs. Uh, there have been nineteen new art fairs that have launched in the past year uh, here in Korea, um, and I think it's also important to sort of step back and think about uh, more long term growth potential uh, in light of you know possible implications of a bubble or or some kind of boom and bust uh, situation here. Um, the domestic art market in Korea accounts for just 0.02% of GDP compared to about 0.1% or 0.2% in other industrialized countries. So there's really a lot of room for growth. The Korean economy continues to expand uh, year on year, thanks to increase consumer spending and export demand. And so, you know, the question is really, we've gotten to this point where Seoul is now a viable place to do business, a viable place for international galleries and domestic galleries alike to really, uh, consolidate their position and, uh, bring Seoul into a position of, of, of market viability long-term, will it compete with Hong Kong? Will it displace Hong Kong as the dominant regional art market? Um, It's not. It's not certain. I think a lot of people are 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 wondering the same thing. Um, You know, Hong Kong has been the center of the Asian market since the late 2000s. Um, But developments there in the past two to three years have really made the art world a a bit wary of the long term. prospects of doing business there, you know, first it was the protests, then uh, COVID, then censorship by the Chinese government. And then on top of it all, you have these sort of skyrocketing rents for galleries there. And so I think people have been increasingly looking for an alternative in the region uh, that would allow the sort of the same access to the Asian market while avoiding some of the headaches associated with um, operating in Hong Kong. Um, Korea, like Hong Kong, uh, does not impose any VAT or import tax on the sale of artworks, uh, which makes it a very appealing place, uh, especially for international art galleries. Uh, and Korea also has a very robust arts infrastructure and a thriving artist community, uh, two things which I think you know Hong Kong is notably lacking. And so we're seeing more international galleries opening locations in Seoul. Um, and I don't think it's really a hedge against any possible uh, downturn in hong kong or any sort of reversal of, of fortunes in hong kong but i think it's really people seeing seoul as a legitimate art market hub um in its own right um and then you you know have to factor in the undisputed attraction of korean pop culture which is now really well entrenched in mainstream society uh first it was sort of korean food um you know, Korean barbecue, who doesn't like uh, doing an all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue, then K-pop uh, with BTS and Blackpink, um, cinema with Parasite and TV, with Squid Game last year, uh, you know, there's a lot of different sort of areas in which Korean culture has, uh, has really grown uh, in terms of recognition and uh, respect. And I think it's sort of only logical that Korean contemporary art could be the next uh, avenue the next channel that, that can sort of hold the global imagination uh, and continue to expand Korean culture uh, to the world uh, more generally.
0: So what is the infrastructure of the art market like in Seoul in terms of the galleries, museums, artists, collectors and how they engage with one another? And What would you say are some of the similarities and differences between it and the art ecosystems of some of the other major art markets?
1: The arts infrastructure here is uh, quite expansive, I think more than most people are aware. Um, Of course, most of the artists and the collectors and the museums and spaces are concentrated in Seoul. Um, And I would say it's sort of led by these uh, legacy galleries uh, like Hyundai, Kukje, also Arario and PKM. They're sort of at the top of the commercial sector Um, And they represent a mix of, you know, established Korean artists, um, generally older and also, you know, an assortment of blue chip international artists. Um, But then you also have a growing number of mid-level and emerging galleries um, that sort of support uh, the broader spectrum of Korean artists, um, the local art scene here Um, in terms of how they are similar or, or different to galleries in other countries, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, The system here is certainly different from what is happening in the United States or in European countries. Um, There's not as much of a uh, established sort of feeder system. Um, There's not this sort of expected progression of younger artists to move from uh, smaller galleries to mid-level galleries. And then finally, to these sort of mega galleries. Um, In a lot of cases, it's sort of all or nothing here in Seoul. Um, However, uh, as I sort of alluded to before, there's really a lot of public funding here. And that is really an essential part of the ecosystem. So uh, for young artists uh, who are fresh out of their MFA or, or whatever, there are not a lot of opportunities coming from Galleries. There are not a lot of sort of commercial opportunities. Um, and in lieu of that, the government uh, provides really generous funding, which would allow these artists to present solo exhibitions, to rent spaces, to publish catalogs, uh, to embark upon projects that uh, would not be supported otherwise. Um, and so, you know, it, I think a lot of people tend to discount the Korean gallery system because of its differences uh, to what is sort of accepted as the the standard in the rest of the world. But it actually functions very well here. Um, And that's not to say that it cannot be improved, but um, I think a lot of people uh, are not aware of just the sheer level of public funding that is available. And that is really expected actually uh, for artists on on the the emerging end of the spectrum, uh, and that extends to artist residencies. Um, that extends to uh, uh, other sort of um, art, artist-run spaces and alternative spaces that you know are not commercial in their purview, uh, but have strong support and allow this sort of other segment of the art world to still be present and to still have some place, um, among these more sort of, uh, dominant commercial galleries. Um, aside from the galleries, uh, well, I should just say one more thing uh, that the number of galleries itself is pretty significant. I mean, Seoul has around like 150 commercial galleries, which I think is a lot more than most people would expect. I mean, Hong Kong has less than a hundred, um, and these are galleries that are taking part in domestic art fairs as well as regional art fairs um, in Hong Kong, in Shanghai, Taipei, Tokyo, etc. Uh, and then you have the likes of Jane Hyundai, these sort of top top level galleries. There are also regular fixtures at the various um, Frieze and Art Basel affiliated um, events worldwide. And then, since two thousand sixteen, we have. Uh, Western galleries that are beginning to join the join the scene and join the fray. Um, the first of which was Perotan, then Pace and Lema Mopin, um, and all three of these really consolidated their their place here within the last year by either expanding or opening new spaces. Uh, and then you have this sort of second wave uh, with various small fires. Uh, today has Ropak, <clears throat> excuse me, Gladstone, Koenig, Perez Projects. And uh, what's really notable about that second wave is that all of those galleries chose Seoul over Hong Kong as their regional beachhead or as their sort of entry point to the Asian market, which I think really says a lot about the growing level of confidence that international art dealers have about their long-term prospects here in Seoul. Um, museums, uh, also pretty amazing here. Uh, there's more than 50 <coughs> public and private museums in the Seoul metropolitan area. We have the federally funded uh, National Museum of Modern and Contemporary Art. We have the municipally funded Seoul Museum of Art. And then you have some an assortment of private museums, um, the the most uh, prominent of which are Liam Museum of Art, Art Sanjay Center, uh, Amoy Pacific Museum of Art. <clears throat> These are mostly funded by uh, corporate uh, cultural foundations, um, and then you have the the biennials. So, Guangzhou Biennale, uh, which I mentioned earlier, also Busan Biennale, and Seoul Media City Biennale, which are really important entry points for international artists uh, into the domestic art scene here. Um, but I think you know the most important thing about Seoul uh, is its artist community. Um, there are so many artists and so much talent here. I mean, there are serious art schools. There is an extensive network of artist residencies. Uh, and I said before, that the funding uh, is really essential to allow for all these things to sort of coexist and to support a really dynamic and um, viable sort of uh, art ecosystem. Um, there are literally hundreds of exhibitions in Seoul every month. Um, there's always something to see, always new artists to discover, uh, and you know, with more attention on the Korean art scene going forward, I think it's uh, only a matter of time before the rest of the world really takes note of what's uh, what's actually going on here.
0: Yeah, and you spoke about all these Western galleries opening up spaces in Seoul rather than Hong Kong or mainland China. This is a little bit of a chicken and egg kind of question, but is the embrace of the Seoul art market being driven more by Korean collectors already being interested in non-Korean Western artists, or is it Western galleries trying to penetrate this potent and exciting market, or is it a little bit of both?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's it's being led by these sort of top-level domestic galleries. I think that's sort of the foundation. Uh, that's where a lot of the collector base. Uh, has been developed um, and you do have a you know a strong tradition of collecting here in Seoul. Um, you do have a lot of wealth here in Seoul um, and Seoul's location is very convenient uh, for much of East Asia at least um, talking China, Japan, Korea, Taiwan, um, even down to Hong Kong. but looking at, what is driving these galleries to come here, galleries from the United States or from Europe, um, they have a lot of Korean collectors already as, as these collectors have developed, as they've sort of uh, begun to expand their collections and, and in many cases, uh, acquire much higher value works. Um, they have been working with these galleries, you know, Pace, Lima Mopen, Tadeus Ropak, for a number of years. And so these galleries see that there is a strong and passionate and devoted collector base here. And so the risk is sort of mitigated um, by knowing that they, they do have this, this stable base um, where you know the artists that they bring in, uh, they're gonna be able to place their works. Um, you know, the, the market for Korean art is doing very well. Um, you know, Korea also has its own uh, set of auction houses, uh, which are a, a major factor in in driving art sales uh, domestically. Um, but is it the chicken or the egg? I think it's. Uh, I think it's it's both, uh, and it's neither. I mean, you you need to have a history. Uh, you need to have a tradition, uh, an understanding of of collecting and, and develop a sort of connoisseurship to, to desire, you know, uh, to expand your collection, um, to, to know what you're after, uh, and how to get it. Um, and so a lot of these galleries, um, you know, it, it's a business just like any other. Um, and so the Korean collectors th- that sort of demographic is, is strong. Uh, and, and also, the proximity to collectors in Japan and and China um, makes it even easier. Uh, It allows for uh, sort of logistical shortcuts, um, consolidating shipments, uh, having a team based in Seoul that also works uh, with collectors in China, that works with collectors in Japan. Um, And so I think it just makes sense for a lot of these people a lot of these galleries, uh, and as I said, this sort of second wave, they, for whatever reason, and there are numerous reasons, but they've decided that Seoul is a better place to 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 start here, um, and Hong Kong is just not as appealing as maybe it once was. So let's
0: talk a little bit about Freeze Art Fair and the fact that it, it will have its inaugural edition in Seoul next week, How did all this come about, Freeze coming to Seoul, choosing Seoul as its Asian location for a fair? What do you think are some of the reasons why they chose Seoul, and locally, what are people's expectations for how this inaugural fair will go?
1: I've spoken with Victoria Siddall at Freeze and tried to to get some of these answers as well, Um, and I'm not privy to all the internal discussions, but... As far as I can tell, it was a long time in coming. Um, I think there was, a, there was a, an impulse to to join the Asian market somehow uh, on Freeze's part. And I think for a number of reasons, Seoul just made the most sense. Uh, and I think a lot of that, honestly, is personal relationships. Um, they picked Patrick Lee, Pat Lee uh to be the director of the fair and pat is a really um well respected and established fixture in the local art scene he's a veteran art dealer um he's an american guy who has really succeeded in in the art market here uh working at a few galleries um i think he has really been one of the the important um he's been sort of a a fulcrum or a an exchange point that that freeze has used to to solidify their confidence in, in what they're doing here um there's been uh, a really significant initiative to tap into the local community um in terms of uh, presenting also emerging uh korean galleries there's a sector of the fair focused on you know, emerging Asian galleries uh, curated by, uh, I believe, a Korean curator and, a, and an international curator, um, and I think Hong Kong was just not necessarily the first choice for Freeze. Um, I think F- Freeze is sort of content to to allow Art Basel to operate in Hong Kong um, and sort of make Seoul their own, um, and for the a lot of the reasons I. I talked about before, I think, you know, Seoul is a, an extremely attractive place, not just for art, but, but for travel in general. Um, that said, having the buy-in from galleries like Pace and Perotan and Lim Open, having them already here and established for, you know, five, six years, I think demonstrated a lot of uh, potential for success and sort of long-term confidence in staying power um showed freeze i think as well that the local collector base is you know is very real um and is very significant um you know what's interesting about freeze this year is that they've partnered with Kiev which is the sort of premier domestic art fair they've been running for like 20 years um it's the the most important fair on the calendar and um they're running the fairs concurrently. So, uh, Freeze is on one floor, and Kiev is in another floor of COEX, which is Seoul's sort of massive, you know, convention center. Um, it's definitely an unusual arrangement, I think, for Freeze. There's no tent. There's no sort of uh, unique location uh, which they have sort of made their trademark. Um, but to me, I think you know it might be just what Freeze needed in order to to allow for a kind of smooth and successful debut here. I mean, a lot of the logistics responsibility is shared. Um, Kiev has had this date, you know, at, at Coex for a, a longstanding date at Coex. And so I think it made sense for Freeze to sort of uh, join um, and if not collaborate, at least, sort of cooperate um, and and run the fairs side by side. Um, the tickets for both fairs are are exchangeable, so visitors will be able to go back and forth, which I think is necessary. Although I'm not sure, realistically, how much overlap there's going to be. Um, I think most people are going to focus on freeze. Um, but that said. You know, uh, the demand, I think, is very high. I'm sure it will sell out just like every every freeze art fair. Um, and what people expect, um, I think no one really knows. I, I think, you know, at Kiev in years past, we've had a selection of foreign galleries, mostly galleries that already had brick-and-mortar spaces here. So uh, Paratan, mopen uh, even Gladstone, uh, some other galleries that are regulars, um, also uh, Esther Shipper and um, let's see, Perez Projects, you know, they, they've done the fairs in years past, but it's, it's always been a, a pretty small cohort of, of international galleries. Um, but, you know, this year the list is, uh, you know, it's sort of a murderer's row of, of top international galleries coming. And as you said, <clears throat> you know, it seems they're bringing really serious, um, serious works to place um and i think it's 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 going to be uh really eye opening for the korean audience i think for the korean collectors it's going to be you know a kid in a candy store and i think um everyone expects pretty strong sales um you know uh, myself included um and it's 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 very exciting in that respect um you know, Freeze is also running all of its usual VIP programs, uh, talks, studio visits, etc. But they're also doing a, a film program, which I think is actually very interesting. They're collaborating with a, uh, an L.A.-based nonprofit called Kyopo, which is sort of a Korean-American uh, networking uh, and sort of creatively oriented nonprofit uh, doing events um, and other cultural activities as well as this uh, local Seoul um, curatorial collective called WES, um, which is very well regarded in the local scene. And they're going to present uh, recent works by, I think, 10 or so of Korea's leading uh, video and media artists. So, you know, as, as a, as a uh, corollary program, uh, you, you never know um, how many people are going to take advantage of it. But I do think it's a noble... Uh, a noble initiative. And and I I think it signals, you know, freezes interest in really tapping in and um, connecting with the local
0: community. Well, we're really excited to see how the fair goes. And I know on this episode, we've been talking about a lot of the positives about the development of the Seoul art market. What would you say are some of the challenges maybe facing the Korean art market in the short and medium term that they need to address as this market continues to mature?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's that. That's that's a question that everyone has. Um, you know, I, I think, from what I can tell, Freeze is very serious about its commitment to Seoul, and I think that bodes well for the near future. Um, in terms of the challenges that I can see, um, just politically, it's possible that the new president might neutralize some of these business-friendly tax policies. Um, the conservative President Yoon, um, that would obviously... Sort of throw a you know a wet blanket on on the excitement and the eagerness to to open spaces here. Um, I think there's definitely a, a language barrier that um, is more pronounced than that in Hong Kong. Um, however, I don't think that is a serious uh, challenge. I think it's just uh, something that needs to be sort of uh, worked around or, or finessed if possible um honestly you know and this is speaking as a as an art critic and a writer i think there's there's a huge need for more local press um especially english language press um compared to hong kong we are here we're just really lacking in that department um and i think that's essential for for conveying and and really educating uh the global art world uh, about what's what's happening and and really can help to inform and promote the local scene and the local artists um and I think that's really essential for the long-term success of Korea and Seoul as a legitimate art market is that the local artists be sort of have a seat at the table um be recognized for their vision, their talent. And, and I think that takes time and that takes uh, strategy. Um, but you know, if that doesn't happen, I think it it puts people here in, in a strange position where, you know, Seoul just becomes a marketplace and not a, a true sort of contemporary art hub, um, which by all rights, it should be so. Um, again, no one knows the answers to these questions. Uh, and I think if you talk to me again in two weeks after freeze is over, I might have uh, some more opinions on this. But uh, from where I stand, I think there's there's a lot of hope uh, and a lot of certainly a lot of expectation for uh for the success of this fair. So, yeah, looking forward to it.
0: Definitely. Well, Andy, thanks so much again for coming on to the podcast. We really enjoyed hearing your perspective being there in Seoul. For any of our listeners who don't already, they should check out your writing in Art Review and in Art Asia Pacific. And of course, you have Seoul Art Friend, which you founded in 2018, that our listeners should definitely check out. Tell us a little bit more about that platform that you've established.
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, Yeah, my writing is is, uh, usually published in Art Asia Pacific or Art Review Asia, although I, I do contribute uh, here and there to other publications. But, you know, Soul Art Friend is, is really my main uh, my main focus. Uh, soulartfriend.com, uh, we have listings, uh, exhibition listings uh, for the hundreds of shows that are on view in Seoul every month, um, as well as some interviews and other content, neighborhood guides for people uh, who are looking to uh, get out there and, and, and experience everything that the city has to offer. Perfect. Andy, thanks so much again. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you, Adam.